Welcome to Psychedelic Radio. I'm Christina Thomas, the president and founder of My Self Wellness. My co-host is Charles Patty. Together, we co-founded the Warriors of Consciousness, a not-for-profit to help people gain access to psychedelic ketamine therapy. Together, we are on a mission to help save and transform lives through this treatment. In this podcast, we'll be pushing boundaries, breaking taboos, and shedding light on the use of psychedelic medicines. We want to share expert knowledge, and firsthand accounts of those who've experienced transformative psychic shifts using psychedelics. Journeying with us today on this edition of Psychedelic Radio is Stephen Gray. He is a teacher and a writer on spiritual subjects and sacramental medicines. He's worked extensively with Tibetan Buddhism and Native American Church with ethnogenic medicines. He's also a conference and workshop organizer, leader, and speaker the editor of Cannabis and Spirituality, and he lives in Vancouver. Stephen also just wrote the book, How Psychedelics Can Save the World, Visionary and Indigenous Voices Speak Out. Thank you for joining us, Stephen. Thank you so much. Yes, happy to be here. Uh, may I make a, a, a slight correction on Certainly. the bio? Yes, um, one is that uh, um, I'm not... Uh, my primary role in the book is not author, it's editor. Um, I've written the intro, a conclusion, and a couple of other small chapters, but there are 25 contributors in the book. And right. also the title itself, this is an important word, um, <laughs> how psychedelics can help save the world. Um, that Just saying how they can save the world is a little bit too bold of a claim from my point of view. <laughs> For sure. No, well, I, I agree. I agree with uh, I agree with that statement completely. I actually yeah. tell people all the time that psychedelics can help save the world. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so what sparked your interest in in psychedelic compounds or, or healing with these modalities, and and what what sparked your passion? Hmm. Well, um, I'll try to keep that brief because I'm sure we have a lot to talk about in half an hour or so. Um, but. Um, the, the shortest answer I can give is that uh, uh, I grew up in that, uh, I came of age at that time uh, of what they called at the time, at least among the people that I was associated with, a counterculture. That was in the late 1960s and early 1970s. And uh, so there were two big things happening at that time that um, had an immense uh, influence on the culture. Uh, one was the um, infusion of uh, interest in Asian, um, religions, particularly Hinduism and Buddhism, uh, and uh, not in my mind coincidentally uh, at all, but perhaps synchronistically, um, an explosion of interest in psychedelic substances, including cannabis. And so I was, a lot of people were interested in the psychedelics, but not the spiritual side of it. And there were a number, a lot of other people that were interested in the spiritual openings of the time, but not the psychedelics. I was interested in both. And that's what started that whole process. No, I, I love that. I, I think that it's all very important. And we're, mm. we're huge advocates for all of that. The psycho-spiritual experiences that people are having are really transforming people in, in the most amazing ways. And um, yeah, so, so, so tell us about the book that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, again, with the emphasis on help, if I may. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, I don't want to make too much of a story about it, but I actually had a couple of Zoom meetings with the marketing director at Inner Traditions about that because they originally want 
didn't have the word help in it. And I wasn't comfortable with that. I wanted to have it say something like how psychedelics can help transform the world because save the world just has a little bit too much of a hallelujah, brother, we're here to save the world kind of idea, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm fine with it. And indeed, that is an accurate description. And it's also... Um, the subtitle visionary and indigenous voices speak out is quite accurate. Uh, it's not false advertising at all. I really felt that, um, uh, you know, it's hard to do justice to this theme in a short amount of time. I'll just do my best. Um, I've, you know, you mentioned in the bio that I, I was involved with the native American church. That's a peyote, peyote, um, prayer ceremonies. I went to quite a few of those. Uh, and I've read a lot. Um, I've known a fair number of uh, indigenous people, uh, done ayahuasca ceremonies with indigenous uh, ayahuascaros in Peru, things like that. It's pretty clear to me that um, there are threads of wisdom that indigenous people have carried through this disastrous 500-year period or so um, of contact with the Europeans and so on. Uh, and it has to do with their relationship to the all, you might say, but certainly to the earth, to their embedded relationship with the earth, their relationships with each other. You know, they say, yeah, you guys have got money. We've got relations, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, the best of indigenous wisdom that has carried through is very important for the rest of us to be hearing about. And so there's a strong indigenous representation in the book. Uh, and then a lot of other um, you know, important influencers, uh, basically all speaking from their own perspective on this issue or this question, you know. And so, yeah, I actually think the main thing I want to say about it in a sense is, um, <clears throat> and I, I say this in the intro to the book, in my intro to the book, psychedelics aren't the be all and the end all, you know, and, it, you know, I think one has to be careful about like, oh, we found, you know, a new great panacea or something like that. It ain't that. Um, they are tools. They're not the only tools. My view and that of many of the other contributors and many other people is that they are arguably our most potent tools. They certainly are the most directly potent tools available to us in the sense um, in the obvious sense that when you take one of them, <laughs> you're going to have a, if it's strong enough dose, you're going to have a very you know, powerful, intense experience. Um, and they uh, <clears throat> uh, shock the monkey, so to speak. You know, they potentially pull you out of your um, habitual patterns, show you things that you didn't have access to in most other modalities in general. And so one way I like to think about uh, the use of the psychedelics at this time is um, and this speaks to what I'm saying is they are not the be all and the end all. They're, they're tools in service of a uh, larger urgent mission. And yeah. so that mission is, um, you know, to save the world, to put it crudely, you know, that we're not on a sustainable trajectory uh, as a species at the moment. Um, and the one way that I like to think of the psychedelics is uh, kind of an old idea that when a patient is in an advanced state of illness, you need strong medicines. Mm -hmm. And the, so, you know, if you think of the human species as a, as the patient, um, strong medicines are needed. You know, as Terence McKenna once said, we don't have time for 30 years of um, talk therapy, you know, not, not that, you know, one shouldn't ever do sure talk can. therapy or other modalities, of course, but um, uh, people need to, 
wake up fast to who we are. But it is really important to point out that it's not just at all about our own quote unquote healing or awakening. It's so that we wake up to realize who we are, that we are connected to everything and that we are responsible as one of the contributors to the book, Tyson Yunkaporta says, we are custodial species. You know, it's our job now to try to make things right. And so a lot of people would say, well, yes, of course, uh, you know, I'll go start an environmental initiative or something like that. And that stuff is all essential at whatever level people can make those kinds of changes, even if it's just creating great art, you know, um, not just, but you know what I mean? Um, however, um, the contention of myself and many other people is that without a ground up inner consciousness transformation, that can be evoked or elicited by the effective, uh, safe, responsible use of psychedelics, um, uh, outer changes, changes in the external world are most likely in the long run, just to keep recycling back to the same kinds of slightly different, but still equally dysfunctional patterns on the planet because of not understanding our relationship you know, our proper relationship of who we are, you know, as divine beings embedded in a cosmos that's both loving and eternal. Yeah. It just I, it reminds me of what you always say, as I heal myself, I heal the world. Everything, <laughs> everything that you just said is beautiful and it resonates with me completely. You know, I, 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 I tell people all the time, like, this isn't anything like people think that this psychedelic renaissance is underway and it's some new field and some new, you know, healing medicines that are going to help people with mental health. And it's like, there's, this is so much more than that. This has been being, you know, these medicines have been being used for thousands of years in religious mm -hmm. ceremonies and, and really taking it back to nature, you know, and, and getting in tune with, because I'm in alignment with where i I feel that we're all connected, that we're all one consciousness, that there is no mm -hmm. separation at the end of the day. And we, and I've learned that through my own personal use with psychedelic medicines. And, you know, this is about the transformation of humanity into a higher state of consciousness where, you know, we really stop, you know, looking at things being so separate and, and getting in tune with everything and, and healing, you know, not just ourselves, but everything around, around us. And uh, I think, you know, I heard Dennis McKenna, I think a couple years ago, he came out and there was a video he was in. And basically he was saying, you know, we have the next 10 years. He's like, that's basically going to be the direction that the world is heading in. And, you know, and these medicines are going to be the catalyst, the tool that propels us in the right direction. Yeah, well, <laughs> on that note, I actually was at a conference in Peru um, in Iquitos that Dennis was doing the keynote address on on the Friday for on the Friday night. And that was it was either I was there twice in 2008, 2011. I think this was the 2011 one. So that's 11 years ago. And Dennis said he thought we had 10 years back then. <laughs> oh, OK, yeah. so it might have been an old video <laughs> <laughs> years ago. Yeah. But well, so the, the real point there are the most important re relevant issue about that then is that um, <clears throat> I think um, anyone who's capable of it at all needs to come to terms with the fact that the flatland days are over. Um, you know, that the party's over, as it were. 
um, you know, the, the attitude that the world is here for our taking. We can hop on a plane and go to Puerto Vallarta and lie on the beach for a week any old time we want, not give it a thought whatsoever about the fact that we've just used one year's worth of carbon emissions by taking that flight. That's just one of, you know, gazillion examples. Basically, um, it's not, you know, there's there was an author back in the 80s and 90s, um, it was part of this thing that was happening at the time called the men's movement, a guy named Robert Bly, and he had a book called Iron John. And he had another book later than that, I think it might have been called The Sibling Society. Uh, uh, and But what he said is that Americans, he was speaking of Americans because he was American, but you know, this could apply to many other uh, populations around the world, have this attitude of um, just being entertained, you know, that we're here to be entertained. And you know, we're here to, you know, get as much pleasure as we can out of the whole thing. Um, but it's here for the taking. This was the old sort of um, Christian thing is that the world is your dominion, you know, and you can do whatever the F you want with it, right? Um, yeah. And the indigenous people have had the polar opposite view, which is we are here to be custodians of the world. We are here to honor it as it is um, and protect it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I read some article, I don't even know, such a long time ago, and it was talking about how this one indigenous culture that was so remote, like it was pretty much untouched, that they were talking to these people and they were asking them about depression and anxiety, and they had no idea even what what that was. Like it, mm -hmm. it's not part of them, it's not part of who they are, and it doesn't even, it's it's, it's not something they worry about. I, well, you know, society that like the the you know, in the proverbial matrix or the society that we're plugged into right now, I think that, you know, it's like, it's so far off from what mm -hmm. we're actually supposed to be at. Absolutely. And, and like what you were saying and what, you know, this book mm -hmm. is about is, is about getting in tune with what, where we're like, you know, where we're supposed to be headed back to. It's almost like people think we've progressed so much in mm -hmm. this society in the right direction when in actuality we've come this way and this is like the chaos before beauty theory and like that i i talk about a lot where it's like things have got really chaotic and yeah. and going back to nature and mm -hmm. this direction is really what's actually going to help save the, everything absolutely the yeah yeah it's about reconnecting to who we are and the the amazing thing about that in a sense is that I don't know how to put this in a way that people would, everyone would understand, but it's maybe something like this. It's not an add-on. It's not something we have to climb up a hill to find in a sense um, and make ourselves into different people or, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, get rid of who we are or any of that kind of stuff. It's what we start to find when we um, are able to release the things that stand in the way of our natural state, our naturally existing state. Yeah. I also want to say that, um, I don't know how many people think like this, but just in case there are, um, this is not going to be a pretty birth. Um, I'm pretty sure. And that's not just me saying that. Uh, you know, One of my favorite people, uh, for many reasons, he's also a friend and a colleague, is Chris Beige. He's the author of LSD and the Mind of the Universe. Um, he, well, maybe I should tell that story briefly. I'll try to keep it as short as possible. He's an amazing guy anyway, and um, the book is amazing. And he was a university professor at uh, Ohio State University. And at the beginning of his career, he undertook 
what turned out to be a 20-year journey of 73 high-dose LSD sessions um, in the Stanislav Grof protocol using eye shades, uh, carefully curated uh, music playlist, and a, and a sitter just to keep you from jumping out the window or calling 911, you know, um, and, um, and then tr uh, meticulously transcribing everything the next day after the session. And so he went, uh, he went into what he called the state, the space where the vast voices of the universe or vast intelligences of the universe were speaking. And especially as it got into the later part of the 20 years, they started saying to him that the whole species is going through a death and rebirth cycle right now. Um, it's going to be, it's probably going to be really, really difficult. So, you know, I'm sorry to be kind of, you know, dark about that, but this is actually the reason for the book is because if you don't have any sense that there could be a death and rebirth scenario going on and that for to us to have a viable healthy sustainable future for the generations to come if you don't have any sense of that as a possibility you're going to likely be increasingly depressed anxious um, angry um, weirded out more likely to pick up your gun and hit the street you know that kind of thing um, so the world really needs messages of hope but believable messages of hope not like you know sunshine and roses you know the rainbow is just over there and we can easily hop on it kind of idea um it's that you know the party's over it's time to roll up our sleeves for everybody do the inner work that we need to do but not stop there we're not not it's not about that pleasure mentality kind of idea it's not about just trying to make yourself feel comfortable again it's about getting um the the dead wood out of the way enough so that you know with a clear mind as much as possible with a clear heart you can find your way, and there is no one way, of course, but your way to participate in um, essentially a cleanup operation, you might say. You know, it's like there's been a war, and now we have to get in there, you know, send in all the Medicare, med medical workers and everything, you know, and, you know, start dealing with the aftermath, right? You know, I, I talk about uh, a six gram mushroom trip I went on one time, you know, I went out into the universe and I realized that I was it, you know, I became one with everything and realized like, you know, that like I am the, I am. And so are you. But the thing is, is that I talk about experiences I've had like that and people are like, Oh, that sounds amazing. I want to do this. I want to try mm -hmm. like, like that's so beautiful. And it's like, yeah, I've had some really beautiful experiences, but using psychedelics in the therapeutic way, I've also had some earth shattering experiences, like where one of my first breakthrough experiences, I came out of it and I'm like, everything I've been doing my entire life is like, it's wrong. Like, it's like, I wasn't doing things the way that we should be doing them. Mm -hmm. Healing is not a pretty process. It's work and it's deep work. And I have a feeling that, you know, the entire planet's going to have to go through a dark night of the soul, <laughs> which is going to be completely earth shattering for a lot of people. And when you talk about this, you know, rebirth scenario, the death and rebirth of, I really feel like psychedelic compounds are going to be the catalyst for that because I know that, you know, I've not physically, but I've died during some of my psychedelic experiences and then had mm -hmm. this like rebirth where I was like reborn to this, this mm -hmm. 
this eye-opening experience where it's like, I need to start really working on myself and being good to everyone and, you know, getting in tune with nature and taking responsibility and not living in this, like you were saying, party, this is my party. This is all about my pleasure. This is a healing journey, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also really important in terms of what you just said, Charles, um, to, um, uh, let's see, I guess there's different ways to talk about this. Stay humble is one way of putting it. Um, uh, you know, there's a danger that you have experiences like that. Now you think you're something special, you know, spiritual um, narcissism. The, yeah, Talk or spiritual materialism, um, yeah. spiritual bypassing, all those things. And then, um, so the so the experiences are one thing. You know, the famous um, religious um, scholar Houston Smith. He said, you know, it's it's clear that psychedelics can. I'm, I'm not giving the exact words here, but clear that psychedelics can produce religious experiences. It's much less clear they can produce religious lives. And then he also had another sort of famous one-liner, which was, you know, something to the effect of, you know, what's really important is um, not so much physical state, uh, pardon me, um, uh, altered states as altered traits. Um, so the integration work, the humble, so to speak, um, integration work of bringing whatever that insight is and grounding it into your daily life. Ultimately, it may not make it may not help you at all to have had uh, to have had that kind of connection. I mean, it you know to have something as powerful as what you described. I think it's I don't think you could ever forget that. But you got to be careful that you don't sort of get caught back into the same old habitual patterns you've been running you know, since you were a little kid, essentially, right? Cool. Yeah. So, so the whole set and setting thing and the way that people, this was one of the original inspirations for this kind of work. Um, you know, when I started organizing the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference you know, 11 years ago was, um, you know, the, these substances need to be understood for their power and their ancient sacred use. And, um, and if you're using them <clears throat> so-called recreationally, you can use them that way, of course, you know, and, you know, many, many of us, you know, when we're young in particular, you know, take these things in with no attention to set and setting. Wow. Um, and if you're, if you're, if you got, if you got your act together enough, I don't know how to put that exactly. Um, you might have a really interesting experience, you know, beautiful love might come in, whatever, but, um, two things that are problematic potentially there. One is that most people are going to miss the the ultimate power, so to speak, of what these things can do in terms of being life-changing. Yeah. The other one is that a lot of people are going to have problems um, that if you're not in a guided situation, yes. uh, can actually, may I say, fuck you up permanently. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and there was a lot of that. You know, Terrence McKenna when said, you know, he thought the 60s were largely misplayed because people didn't understand that they were really about ego death and they actually were happy to have gotten through the whole thing with all the bright lights and colors, but no ego death, right? Um, and, you know, I knew people both directly and indirectly from that time, and I'm sure it's still happening, uh, who... Uh, had some very powerful, you know, like you talked about, you know, the shattering kinds of experience experiences. If, if you don't have a, if you don't have a perspective on that, um, uh, and some help, maybe um, you can actually literally get stuck at that point. And I know people who did. You know, I know a 
my sister's boyfriend from university was a brilliant guy, took a lot of acid, too much probably, I'm not probably, definitely, and essentially um, eventually lost it completely. Like the last she heard of him, he was on the, he was homeless on the streets of Toronto, you know, mm -hmm. that happens. So it's really important that people understand that these things can completely obliterate who you thought you were, right? And if you're not ready for that or have some guidance with that or some somebody there to say, don't buy into the story of fear, just keep breathing, um, you know, problematic potentially, right? Well, and, we and largely those experiences are being swept under the rug. There's people, so many people within the community that don't even want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then they're sending ketamine to people's doorsteps and saying, here you go. We just spoke with Dr. Rick Strassman, and he's one of the only people other than this conversation that we're having right now that's really tapped into this place where it's everybody's just like this is rainbows this is the like this is the most amazing thing and like if you don't have the right team of people or the right you know people, the right guides with the right intention around to help you integrate these kind of experiences it can mm -hmm. cause harm than good a lot of the time absolutely yeah that's what i'm saying so so a lot of it is about how to steward this work forward uh yeah. and although the book doesn't directly deal with the the sort of how it's moving into the world uh, in the sort of corporate world or the commercial world, I guess you could say, um, that's an important thing for people to be aware of as well. And I don't have any particular answers, but um, I mean, specific answers, but I think it's just a caution that, that um, people should be aware of that uh, you don't want them to be completely controlled by either medical establishments or corporate um, forces um uh, they need to be understood for the sacred medicines that they have always been and treated with that kind of respect um and 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 that's another thing too is about people you know ayahuasca i would say is the um is the kind of the main potential culprit on this one and i don't have any you know statistics or anything but i'm sure there are <clears throat> One of the actually uh, one of the uh, contributors to the book has dealt with this not in the book but elsewhere. His name's Jamie Wheel. He's the co-author of the Pulitzer Prize-nominated book *Stealing Fire* and a more recent one called *Recapture the Rapture*. Um, and uh, he talks a lot about he and many other people talk about how you know. I think the way Jamie put it, he spoke at our conference in 2019. He said something like, okay, so yeah, you go down to Peru for a couple of weeks, you have a couple of ayahuasca experiences, come back, tell everybody about it. And a few months later, you go down and you do that again. And then you come back that time and you go, oh, I could be a shaman now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yes. but, but, you know, the tradition, not that everybody has to follow any particular tradition but it's the attitude i think that's important the tradition in the mestizo shamanism world of the upper amazon uh from the reading that i've done is that um it's an apprenticeship and it takes a long time it could be years five ten years before your master recognizes that you're ready to go and do that and one of them like with ayahuasca in particular for example is uh, that Everybody that I've ever heard talk about it that knows this stuff says the songs, these ikaros, are um, directly received. Um, the Santo Daimi world, the you know syncretic church that uses ayahuasca, they say the same things about their hymns. They're, they don't make them up. They're received. You know, they're channeled in that sense. Yeah. Um, and the same with the uh, peyote prayer ceremony songs. Oftentimes, you know, they just 
hear these songs, they feel them and they bring them in. But what people who don't have much training don't know, is those songs have their healers in themselves. They have immense power. Yeah. Um, I know we're probably running close to time, but I'll say it any, I'll tell you anyway, until you say stop, Stephen, stop. Um, uh, <clears throat> I, I was at um, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony, or I had three ceremonies at this one encampment outside of Iquitos a few years back when I was down there for that conference. And um, um, the, uh, uh, okay, I'll try to keep this real short. Uh, the, the third of those, I, I, the second one was so powerful, I thought I'd never need this, you know, again for another six months. And, and the shaman, the ayahuasca said, well, let's come back for the next one anyway. And you don't have to have any, or you can just have a really small amount. Um, and we'll sing an ikoro for you, particularly for you, because in the sharing session, I told him some things about who I am and what I'm working with and all that. So he, so I came back, I was feeling pretty good. I decided to have a small amount. It was like a third of the amount I'd had two nights before that. And about an hour and a half in, when it would be fully kicked in normally, it was just this really light, clear. It's like a mild cannabis high or something. I thought, oh, this is lovely. And, you know, probably fall asleep at midnight, get a good night's sleep and all this. Then he called me up to sing a song. And so I'm sitting in front of the guy who sings a song. I go back to my uh, cushion. And in 30 seconds, it's gone from like a, a one or a two to like an eight, almost as strong as the, the night, two nights before, right? Really powerful. So in the morning, I said, well, what? was that something to do with your song? And he said, oh yeah. He said, those songs are spirits. They come in and they say, sing me now. I'm the one for this person, for this situation, right? So if you don't know that, you're just missing a whole huge potential there, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a guide or a ceremonial leader or whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I it, it, that's beautiful. I love it. You know, I, I want to definitely have you back on the show I, and maybe we can yeah, do that half an hour. Went by yeah. Second. We could do a, a long <laughs> one because I, I feel like there's a lot, I I've really aligned with a lot of what you're saying and mm. you know, it's, it's actually a, a breath of fresh air because there's so much, you know, not that it, it's bad, everything's perfect and everything's divine, but there's so much corporate kind of direction that this is heading in. And I really mm. feel that, people that are talking about with what you're talking about and having this knowledge, there needs to be a perfect blend of it because of the importance of all of the things that you just mm -hmm. spoke on. And then also, you know, in order to, you know, get to the masses and properly, they need, it needs to be the perfect blend of basically spirit, spirituality meets science, mm -hmm. you know? So, so I appreciate you. And, uh, and, and I actually, I have a, close friend of mine and i don't know if you know him his name is greg lake and he actually started a company called entheo connect and he just started up a, a church of silo silo methoxine i think and uh greg's an attorney and he helps to set up churches throughout the country and he's a great guy and i think you guys would probably it would be mm. good to connect to you and you'd have a lot to talk about so mm -hmm. yeah. sure yeah yeah so um uh perhaps i could leave you with another mckenna quote um basically uh although he i found out got it elsewhere i think he might have got it from the mystic poet william blake or somebody like that originally but it it sort of implies to what we're dealing with here and it was something like if the truth can be told so as to be understood it will be believed 
So that's that's really summing up what the book is for. It's like, how can we communicate to people in a way that they will understand um, that uh, there needs to be a, a 180 degree kind of change in the way that we live on this world, that when used carefully in the right hands, they're not for everybody, of course, um, psychedelic plants, fungi and some other related substances, semi-synthetics like MDMA and some others um, can be maybe more than important, maybe essential. You yourself said that a little while ago, Charles. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate you. And, and like I said, we definitely want to have you back on. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally up for it. You know, and by the way, we could do, I could get one or two of the other contributors to come in and we could do a little, you know, uh, uh, James Jesso, do you know him? He's got something called Adventures Through the Mind. Um, uh, he's going to do what he calls a psychedelic cafe with us. So there's going to be five of us, me and four of the other contributors to the book are all going to get on there together and talk about it. So it's not just me because, you know, as I said, I'm on one level, I'm just kind of the messenger boy, right? You know, or the impresario who pulled all these people together. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it's 25 other people, you know, that have weighed in on this. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. That would, yeah, that would be honored. That would be amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I'll wait to hear from you further if you have any ideas about that. Well, we'll I'm up for it. Um, it's probably the main reason I'm feeling, I guess, healthy <laughs> and going on this life, you know? yeah okay. amazing well thank you and we'll definitely circle back with you and i want to say thank you to all of our listeners for journeying with us on this edition of psychedelic radio you can download the past program of our episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or by subscribing to our show on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music spotify and iHeartRadio. To learn more about the Warriors of Consciousness, please visit us on social media or go to wocfund.org and watch the videos. And if nobody's told you that they love you lately, we, we do. do. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.